podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The track exists, and I think I'm a pretty big fan of it. Valtteri Bottas takes his 356th power unit for 2021. Martin Brundle sings full song with a full lap run through as Max Verstappen goes around the track. But then Max Verstappen puts it into the wall on what was probably the best qualifying lap of the season. G'day there. My name is James Baldwin, and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we pre-drink ahead of the Saudi Arabia Arabian Grand Prix. We can't drink. And I'm joined by my friends <laughs> and yours. Tommy T, g'day, mate. <laughs> Good. I'm Good. Doing well. Good. Doing and Campy, hello, mate. <laughs> hello, gentlemen. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you. Great to have your company listening to us. My apologies for not having any episode last week. We did have a chat with Josh Revel, unfortunately, was pushed later into the week and uh, due to some technical issues, we're still not having that uh, finalised, but that'll come out in a couple of weeks' time so you can look forward to that chat. chat. good chat. But, uh, lads, let's start with a bit of sadder news uh, ahead of the Grand Prix weekend and that of the passing of Frank Williams. Campy, we'll start with you first. All the teams are running uh, the original Frank Williams logo that he had on the car when he was first team principal before he started Williams. Of course, he was a team principal of two teams. Williams, the second most successful team in Formula One still. It's a massive hole uh, that he's left in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. I think his uh, his legacy has been firmly cemented for a long time. Uh, I mean, he grew up in that era. I mean, could we ever see another Frank Williams ever again? Probably not the way the sport's structured and the technology and the money these days. He really came into the sport just with a real passion, built his own cars, started his own teams and uh, own engines, and to be the second most successful team in F1 history is no mean feat. So, uh, look, it's a shame. Uh, sad, but he's, uh, yeah, yeah, thoughts and prayers are with the Williams family at the moment. It's uh, it's obviously a big loss, and uh, just to go with a few of the big losses we've had in the in the last two or three years as well, very yeah. sad for the sport, um, but we will continue to race and keep moving on, and um, I think the way the, the drivers and the teams publicly made statements about what Frank Williams has done has been excellent. Uh, I think it's one of the better... A lot of campaigns they've run this year. Not that it's a campaign, but uh, I think it's really genuine and from the heart. And that's really, yeah. you know, the authenticity behind it is what we want to see from the sport at all times. And they've, yeah, I think everyone's pretty shattered. But uh, yeah, as I said, thoughts go out to uh, Claire Williams and her family. And, uh, and uh, we hope to see you on the grid at some stage again. Tommy T, uh, of course, not only did Frank Williams cause a massive positive change for Formula One uh, alongside people like Patrick Head. Of course, Patrick Head did an amazing job in getting incredible people into Williams like Adrian Newey, of course, and Australia's Sam Michael. But it, it is, as Campy just mentioned there, an incredible moment where a competitor is celebrated up and down the field and unequivocally everyone is showing full support. Yeah, and I think it's because of the impact that he had over so many years. What it'd be near on half a century of his impact in the sport, um, and just kind of I suppose the way he fostered young talent and even talent not in necessarily the driving seat, but also behind the scenes, yeah. and all those kind of things. So many people can trace back their first start to somewhere like Williams and anything that Frank had to do with 
the sport and just making it a career for so many people that it otherwise wouldn't have been. Um, motorsport is a tough industry as we know and to pave the way for so many others now um, is just an incredible feat that he's done and he kind of did it in like a very selfless way it seemed. It was never about so much him and his success but just group success and everyone wanting to do better and, and kind of grow Formula One as a whole. And, of course, he put two Australians in his cars over the years, that of Mark Webber and Alan Jones, of course. But I think if you followed Formula One and if you had a a hero in Formula One, the likelihood of them driving for Williams was incredibly high. Of course, Nigel Mansell, uh, world champion. Damon Hill, of course, world champion, although maybe he should have just stayed driving rather than speaking. (laughs) Keke Rosberg, for example. Nelson Piquet, uh, Alain Prost. Uh, they just keep Jacques Villeneuve. It just keeps going and going and going. If you go and look, Juan Pablo Montoya as well. Go and look at uh, just the Wikipedia page of how, like, drive Williams drivers. It is a lengthy yep. list, and so many names, uh, of course, contemporary names and historical names that uh, are amazing. So for him to be in the sport for this long was epic and, yeah, 50 years of being a team principal he celebrated in 2019. Of course, the team has moved on and people have had their thoughts about what Claire was like one way or another, but as Campy said very eloquently last year, she put the team in a a great position for Dalton Capital to take over. Of course, the name has been kept. Now that's fully cemented, if it, even if it wasn't before. Uh, but it is good news uh, yeah. for, for the sport that, you know, that Williams legacy continues. Uh, very sad, of course. Well, let's keep moving on. A slightly more positive news, not for Richard Vashaw uh, in MP Motorsport and Formula 2, but for Jack Doohan. He does be doing things, Campy. Uh, it looks like there was some funding issues for Richard Uh, which has caused massive rifts in the paddock, of course, but uh, you need a couple of million dollars to go racing in Formula 2. It's not a cheap sport. Most of those drivers are paying for themselves to be there, at least with sponsorship along the way. Uh, But for Jack Doohan, it was a good thing for him. He's finished his Formula 3 season in a a really much better place than he was last year. And, of course, all eyes for him now rest on F2 for 2022 as well. Yeah, look... uh qualified in 16th, so not the greatest qualifying, not anything to jump up and down about, but uh, I mean first time in the car really, first outing on track, um, excellent job he did in the in the two sprint races we've had so far, I think the first one he climbed up to 11th and uh, finished 5th in the second one, so uh, he made up you know, 6 or 7 positions in both races, which is good for Jack uh, on debut, it's what we want to see from him um, I was I was unsure about how he'd go in F two, uh, jumping up from the F three, um, but he was excellent. So that's all. I mean, he's making headlines, isn't he? On debut, doing things like that. That's what we want to see from Good. our young Aussie drivers. Um, oh, a bit of a shame for sure. I think uh, I mean funding all year and for it to run out with two races to go. Uh, it's a tough decision for the team and him. But at the end of the day, he was. I mean, what was the point in keeping him for those extra two races? Get someone in like Jack who can fill a void for next year as well. So, um, oh, look, it's exciting for it's exciting for us Aussies over here having uh, two very capable drivers in F2 at the moment. So, uh, yeah, see how we go. Let's keep talking about F2. Tommy T, Oscar Piastri, of course, uh, on song to take this championship for 2021, isn't he? Yeah, he is so young, but looks like a veteran out there. He is making very <laughs> smart decisions. Yeah, he had so he had a, a five second penalty ahead with Deruvula, uh, so he didn't have to overtake him on track at all. He could have just sat behind within that and taken the podium. But he wanted to clear him, and he did it in 
a spectacular way going into turn one and two and outbraked him, just shocked Zerubla and he's just such a mature driver. It's bizarre to see. He he reminds you of someone like when we talk about Kimi or Alonso with just those kind of moves that no one really expects but they're just so classy and clean. Like there's no, I don't know, sporadic kind of movement. He just, he's just such a clean driver and very excited to see what he does. He's got so much patience and he's qualified – on pole the last four four outings. So he's on an absolute purple patch of form at the moment. So very excited to see what he does with some practice sessions next year. <laughs> yeah, the Iceman, right? Yeah, That's he it. does. He seems to be pretty chill, pretty quiet uh, in yeah. comparison to a lot of others. But, you know, he gets it done. His consistency is there. Uh, he might not always be the fastest over one lap, but he's certainly there to take the positions where he needs to and pick up the pieces. The guy is an absolute rocket ship, of course, coming from Melbourne as well. Uh, there's a bit more of that happiness from a three of us point of view other than the uh, the west of the country, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's good, good for him. Uh, the other bit of news I want to talk about uh, before we get into F1 is that uh, Cyril finally got his tattoo. It's a half the, <laughs> the top half of the Renault logo with a honey badger going across the left-hand side. Good bit of content by DR, has to be yeah. said, but Tommy T, a bit, of, I don't know if you watched it, but it was a bit sad from, from Cyril's point of view because the question was put to him by expert interviewer Daniel Ricciardo and said, well, do you miss the F1 paddock then? Because... Of course I bloody do. I miss it every day. I don't even really watch it anymore because like, it's, it's a bit emotional for me. Because I'm not there anymore. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and we miss him too, actually, in, in, in retrospect, because yep. whilst the banter is going on with Toto and Karen, uh, we, we've quickly forgotten the banter that Cyril brought to Karen Ooh, last yeah. year as well, didn't we, Tommy? Yeah, he was good. He was. I think it's because he was such an emotional guy and he was just honest. He wasn't playing games as much, Cyril. He was just like being raw. Uh, and we missed that. that. That was nice. And, and we haven't seen any of like Gunto. We haven't seen any of these other kind of characters who we just, we want to see raw emotion from rather than just these kind of calculated reactions. Like seeing uh, two weeks ago with Toto pointing at the camera, that was about as raw as we've ever seen. <laughs> yes. And that was epic. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's going to live on for a while, isn't it? That one, that image. Um, but yeah, we do miss Cyril. He was, he was a great character to have around. He's very good at his job, but also was great content. <laughs> yes, so did, I think for us. Did Renault have a better year last year than Alpine did this year? Well, a race win. Yeah, race. But if you if you yeah. take the race win out of it, you, and, you, and you look at yeah. uh, DR's podium positions, he was I, consistently consistent. in that fifth, fourth kind of range, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I would say. Although the Alpine looks great this weekend, can I just say with the uh, the addition yep. of the green on the very back? Oh, I disagree. I think it looks like they've okay. left float this paint on it and just <laughs> not cleaned it off again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Well, anyway, look, I, I think Renault. Yeah. I, well, I mean, they don't even have a team principal yet. I still don't know who the yeah. Alpine team principal is. Choose one. Like, it's just, it's I'm pretty the sure they've Suzuki got like, guy. No, mate. They, that's one person. They've got like a spinning wheel, three. and they go, "Well, yeah. who who's going to be this weekend?" And they they spin the wheel. They go to the casino, <laughs> and then they go, "Right, it's going to be him." And then this other random guy comes out. Who knows? That you give it back on Tuesday. That is not good for an organisation. I I love Cyril. I think he's been quality. Yeah. And where he had that team last year, I think it was excellent. I mean, can't not the progression lose. was there. You can't not lose a guy like Daniel Ricciardo and start asking questions about organisation about your organisation. Because Danny mm. was pretty quick to get out of there, if we're honest. Um, yeah. But, I've, yeah, there's a lighter side to Formula 1. I mean, 
Danny Rick's obviously got a very good relationship, a working relationship with him. That extends, you know, extends out of the paddock too. You look how he interacts still with uh, Christian Horner and some of the Red Bull guys at times. And I mean, he's a real well-respected and liked guy. I think it says more about Danny Rick's character and how he goes about it off track uh, more than anything. But uh, I think it was good from Cyril to, you know, honour the uh, honour the process and the bet. And I mean, it was yeah. probably they probably had lunch. Two and up, you know, before it and caught up as well, yeah. which is a bit of a shame. And he's probably someone that's a, probably a really good sounding board for Danny Rick that's, you know, outside yeah. of the sport now, can bounce ideas off and, you know, shoot the shit with, I suppose, and uh, get some quality advice as well. So, and he's absolutely, as I think, Tommy, you said, very passionate in a good way. Mm. You know, Cyril, there is no politicky game playing with him. It is, you know, I want to win, I want to be on the podium. It's just raw. Um, yep. Anyway, that, it was great to see. A little bit sad, but uh, who knows? Ontmar might be going to Alpine as the uh, team principal for next year. That sort of disappeared very quickly, but it always, uh, Formula One, you never know. It, stuff like that comes back. Let's talk about practice. Well, f- firstly, let's actually just talk about the circuit itself. Um, a, it exists, uh, which I didn't think on Wednesday that it I know, would. Surprise. Uh, uh, but Tommy T, let's get your initial thoughts of the Jeddah circuit. It looks very fun. Like, it would be fun to drive. I don't know what it'd be like to be a spectator there because it's so long. Mm. I don't know if you're going to get to see much, unless you could get really high and see both sides of the track, I guess. But I think it'd be great to go to. That looks like a really fun city as well from the little bits that we've seen, snippets, Ted wandering around and kind of explaining a bit. But so far, the track's epic. I'm still skeptical because we haven't seen any racing. We've seen some F2, but that's never really an indicator, I don't think, of what F1's going to be like. So... I'll hold my breath, I guess, and see what it's actually like as a racetrack. Campy, when it comes to new racetracks, if we cast our mind back to Azerbaijan, when that was first a thing, uh, firstly, they kept finding nuts and bolts on the ground. So I'm glad that that hasn't (laughs) been the case here with Jeddah, that hopefully a couple of street sweepers have gone through. Secondly, the F2 race was so ridiculous that the F1 race afterwards was very tame because the drivers just didn't want to push the limits. And, in fact, the F1 race the following year was even better because they found out where the limits were. So there's potential for that to happen, Tommy T, if it was, you know, Mm. go ridiculous. But I don't think, at least looking, sorry, at uh, what's happened for Formula 2 so far. I don't think there's been any ridiculousness. There's sort of gone, okay, well, there's some passing happening here and here, no worries. And now if you go off the track, this is how you, you know, get back on safely, the rest of it. But for for the overarching big thing, and we'll talk about what happened in practice with, uh, with Mazepin and Hamilton as well, the biggest thing, Campy, is that 323, I think, kilometers an hour is what I saw Max Verstappen get up to in qualifying. And there are so many blind corners, of course. You know, the bigger issue is what happens if someone collects a barrier and then gets punted straight back onto the racing line in a blind corner. And with the jeopardy of marshals either waving the wrong flag (laughs) or taking too long to wave a flag or anything else, and you're heavily relying on those uh, safety measures, the flags, the big LED boards, and, of course, the driving, uh, well, the steering wheel, I should say, flashing up some lights. Are you concerned about any massive accidents that we might be having tonight? Uh, I think the worst part we've passed is qualifying, you know, Q1, when people are banking up trying to set lap times. We saw that a bit in practice too. Um, we saw Max coming through in Q1. He had to pass a bit. You know, seven or eight people in that last, you know, that 24 and 25. Yep. Uh, look, I think we passed the hurdle. Do I think we'll see a bad accident tonight? Maybe not, but we will see a bad accident on this track 
at some stage. Mm. It's not. It's it's not a question of if it'll happen. It's a when, and. I think, I mean, even the couple of touches and close calls we had in qualifying, um, you know, and the Mazepin-Hamilton thing, I mean, look, it, look, you can just see it. There's a car going slow on the on the, uh, on the the racing line. Someone's coming to it 280k an hour and bang, straight up the rear. It's not going to be a good look. Um, but, hey, the FIA, we've got to give them some credit. They put these, they give these tracks some safety checks and go over them and they look at it from all different angles. And if they deem it safe enough to race, well, fair enough to them. It's, it is a street circuit, uh, although although we've never seen a street circuit this fast, you know, throughout other than Baku really. But I think it's, uh, I think it's an, it's not an if question, it's a when question, and I think when it does happen, it could be bloody scary. Let's hope we don't see it tonight, and let's hope that it doesn't uh, it doesn't ruin the championship uh, fight between Lewis mm. Hamilton and Max Verstappen tonight. I'd hate for a incident to happen and someone gets passed on track because, you know, an incident yeah. comes out. Or one of them's taken out, you know, and the other one gets an insurmountable lead for the next race. So that's what I'd hate to see. Um, but I think if something bad does happen, we're going to be asking the FIA a hell of a lot of questions because everyone's sitting here going, geez, this got the potential to – yeah, I mean, science is crashing practice. That looks – Brutal. At least he didn't yeah. sling back onto the track like he did. But if that was a concrete wall, I mean, ugh, yeah, I'd hate to think what would happen. But anyway. yeah, it, it uh, although it's not a street circuit, is it? Because it wasn't a street first. It's a circuit street. It'll be the streets yeah. will come after the circuit was it's, built. It's kind of like Albert Park, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, everyone's going. Oh, it's a street circuit. It's not. It's a purpose-built racetrack that they've just decided to have very little runoff it's in the public. most corners ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is what the fans want, really. Isn't which is fine, it? absolutely. Yeah. But it's not a street circuit. It's not Singapore or even you know Albert Park is probably a good. Um, yeah, in terms of yeah. comparison, that's the one. But Singapore's actually a straight circuit. So is Baku. Anyway, that's just yeah. me going. But I think, to be honest, and looking at the, the driver's first impressions, like they were pretty happy with how it looked. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm – I, look, Looks I think, cool. Looks I think right. I think it's good. I don't I don't necessarily think it was sold all that well at the beginning of the year, and of course we know the political issues that uh, you know surround Saudi Arabia. Of course, Lewis Hamilton's pointed them out. Um, Seb Vettel is the king that we just don't deserve at the moment. Of course, he put together a uh, FIA Women in Motorsport event with uh, some karting uh, for some young female drivers coming up, and and he was like teaching them stuff, which again, just an absolute legend of a human being. But yep. Take that away from it and just look at the racetrack, uh, and I think it's it's a very very good addition to the calendar, honestly, because we there's nothing else yep. like it, in, and that's kind of the point, right? We don't want just same same to the point yeah. where I actually think this is the best commentary, at least for qualifying, I've heard all year. Brundle and Crofty were actually on it and yep. actually excited about it. You could tell there's a massive difference, yeah. so that's that's good to see as well. The issue that uh, that we I spoke about just before though, Hamilton. He was he's given a reprimand, um, and Mercedes were issued twenty five thousand pound fine for impeding Mazepin, uh, and there was a, a text from Lewis apparently to Nikita to say. A, sorry, B, thank you for not yeeting into the back of me and collecting a car because yeah. that would have been championship over. See you, you know, good, good night, basically. Um, but the thing that I think was interesting, there was uh, some double wave yellows at one point or another, Campy and uh, Hamilton ignored them uh, and he was given a reprimand. Now, let's cast our, our minds back to the, the flag situation at Qatar, of yeah. course, with yellow flags and, and what happened with grid penalties there. 
how do you see this? Is Should there be some more consistency race to race? Or is each weekend, and I know Tommy T, you brought this up last time, there's a mix of stewards and never the same. Is it okay that every race weekend is treated completely differently uh, because it's a completely different circuit? Uh, I want consistency throughout the board. Like, I want consistency. I mean, why did Max get a five? Place good penalty and signs only get a three last week. Um, should Hamilton get a penalty? Yes, but they don't. I mean, it's in a practice session too, so they don't want to be seeing mm. to be playing games of the championship at the moment. Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, they probably made the right decision because, I mean, imagine the fans in the get-up if Lewis was <laughs> yes. to get a penalty for that. I mean, uh, it's something they got to look at. It's something they got to figure out. Um, I think they're a bit more lenient because it is practice and it's a new circuit and people are still figuring it out. I mean, it's the first, you know, I mean, we've only, at the time, they hadn't even been on the track for more than two hours. So, yeah. um, you know, I think there's a bit of lenience that way. Uh, do I like it? Well, we've got rules for a reason because we've seen what happens when we don't follow them like Jules Bianchi. Mm. Um, you know, mm. tragic losses of life that, you know, we don't want to see. Uh, and the reason we have yellow flags is to try and mitigate those uh, extreme circumstances. So, but did did Hamilton do a lot wrong? No, but hey, be consistent from weekend to weekend. So that's what we want. Yeah, uh, look, I think you actually you nailed it there. And Tommy T, I would hate anything like this to get in the way of the championship fight because it's yeah. kind of unnecessary when it comes sure. like right to the very end of the season. It's not what we want. We don't want an asterisk, do we? I think the thing that we struggle with as well is just there's so many people who have the ability to wave a yellow or press a button or whatever. I feel like there's too many forms of yellow that it gets so confusing. There's you on your steering wheel, there's actual analog flags that are still made of fabric and then there's the boards, there's all these other things popping up. The driver's getting so confused because you're only getting one of them coming through, not all three or... This is when they're like, well, is it a real yellow? Is it a fake yellow? Did mm. someone accidentally do this? There's too much kind of unknown there. I feel like there needs to be a bit more, I don't know, overarching. This is what a yellow is. And r- maybe we remove the analog fabric flags and they just have a button. Every marshal has a button on the side of the track and they just whack it and it turns that to yellow. Because I, I sent you guys a video from F2 before and there's a guy waving a green flag while there's clearly a car in the wall for yeah. about 10 seconds while the, the screen is punching yellow, but he's still waving a green flag. So it goes both ways. Sometimes the analog flag's quicker than the boards and vice versa. I feel like we need one system that everyone has access to for speed and consistency and uniformity for the drivers so they know what they're expecting rather than looking for 20 different signals and messages in a bottle and I don't know, like <laughs> someone yodeling or something. Sting, sting like, standing outside. Do they get, right? they, do like, they get so messages hard. on the uh, on the steering wheel, on the dash? Yeah, they're supposed they to. They do. They get flags, yeah. Uh, Not all the time though. This is the issue that we had yeah, with, uh, exactly. with Max last time around is that the, the yellow yeah. was waving but there was no steering wheel on the green board. And anyway, look, I, I'm pretty think sure- in this age with the technology we have, it's really easy to get that right on a steering yeah, wheel. Yeah, you would. You'd to hope. be able to send a message that every other thing goes blank and it just flashes with the flag so the drivers absolutely yep. know what's happening. You yeah, know, I think yeah. the rule still is though the analog, as you put it, the flag, the fabric flag takes precedence over everything else. 
yeah. which which is Even fine. That's some guy who's not yeah, sure. in any way qualified yeah. and just hangs out next to it a would wall. be interesting to understand better. Of course, this is just purely from a fan perspective. It'd be interesting to understand better exactly the process. Uh, and yeah. maybe maybe sure. the Melbourne Grand Prix next year we can try and get in. Maybe we can try and get Campy to wave a flag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> could possibly go wrong, but you know, as just to understand that Great because Instagram. I think it's. It's I'll just do better than Serena Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, if you're waving really. if you're waving the checkered flag, so much has gone wrong. Jeez. You've got into the That's Porsche the Club worst. somehow, then F1 Paddock Club, and then you've you've taken someone's official lanyard and then gone, Yeah, I'm DJ Campy, you know, I'm like the real big yeah. deal down under. And they'd be like, Oh, yeah. okay, sounds good to me. Puts you out there. Anyway, uh, it'd be interesting to understand though, I think that. But you're absolutely right. Uh, all right, let's talk about qualifying because Aston Martin was worse than Williams. That's it. Useless. That's just that's the story. That's the headline. Uh, and we couldn't. Could, but yeah, they were, but also they were shocked just, by it, weren't they? They were. Seb was very shocked. Tommy T. Yeah, yeah. Seb had no idea. He he seemed to think that they were faster. The track was getting faster as it progressed, though, and obviously different to other practice sessions, which were on during different times of the day. This was much cooler. But, yeah, they were genuinely shocked and Stroll just looked nowhere. At least Seb was kind of troubling kind of the back of that that cutoff. But, yeah, very disappointing from them. Yeah, it was a very – in the end Q1 camp, it was pretty close between sort of first to 15th and the Mazepin was about four seconds behind everyone else. But uh. that that sort of <laughs> – any like any kind of risk that you can take – and we saw it on Max's last lap in in that first Ugh. sector where it looked yeah. like he collected the wall and he didn't. He was just collecting dust because no one else had been on that part of the racetrack yet, even though, anyway, ridiculousness. But just Were the F1 cars the, the third and fourth fastest Astons at that track this week? <laughs> Jeez. I think the safety car and the medical car would do it better. <laughs> you'd, to be honest, you'd hate you'd hate for that stat to actually be the thing, wouldn't you? <laughs> the, the medical car, which is a lumbering SUV, is faster than Lance Stroll. There's <laughs> every chance. Yeah, but I mean, for for Williams though, Campy, we we know that they're very concentrated on qualifying. Uh, yep. it, it, they, but for a track like this, of course. You'd hope that Mercedes power unit advantage would deliver a little bit more. But again, they're running the same power unit as the the Aston Martin. So what was it, do you think, that they just couldn't get it together? They didn't do enough sim work coming into this weekend? What was it? Uh, Aston Martin are just shit. Yep, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> they realistically are the you know, the sixth and seventh best grid best car on the grid at the moment. So. <laughs> best grid on the team. <laughs> best grid, yeah, I mean. Oh, look, it's not good for them, but you're always going to – every team's going to go to a track where you, your car doesn't perform as you think it should. This being a new track, I just dare say that their simulator is not mm. up to the specs. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the correlation between on-track and the simulator isn't close enough, and that's probably why they are that far behind. But it came to a surprise to them. But, I mean, two races to go with a season that's been a nothing season for them. Yeah. It's probably – I mean, they're probably just going to – let it go, really. For sure. And look at next year. Um, yep. If they have, they've written off this year already, I mean, they'd be looking for Seb to get a couple more top fives, i.e. Stroll's, Stroll's performance last week. But uh, yeah, not a good look for Aston Martin. They could. Uh, yeah. We've seen what happens when Ferrari stuffs up for a year. Just imagine a team like that stuffing it up for a year and how far they will drop back down the grid if they don't get it right. So uh, uh, Mr. Mm. Stroll's investment ain't looking too good at the moment. I mean, his investment in his son hasn't had much return. So 
There was a little yeah. fire, though, it has to be said, this week at the uh, campus, at the pre-campus building uh, in their wind tunnel. I reckon that's so, what it is. They packed up the sim early before they moved it into the campus. They didn't get to use it. <laughs> it's in a box somewhere. No, I think they all just evacuated out of the building and no one could actually get in. Maybe, look, who knows, but maybe who there knows? was there was, some, good look. there was some issues around using the sim with the fire in the wind tunnel that they had. Um, anyway, no good, but Williams would be very happy with that, especially, as I said, after the passing of Frank Williams, they'd be wanting to push closer towards uh, the front good. For George Russell, though, to uh, to be qualifying in 14th um, and Latifi in 16th. Of course, there's a Ferrari between them and an Alpine in Fernando Alonso in front of them in 13th, which was interesting. VB in the 375th God. power unit that he's taken. It's, it's not a brand a new one. Guy. It's not a brand new one, so it doesn't mean any penalties for him. It's just one from the pool. Um, and then, of course, that went really well, Tommy T, didn't it? <laughs> Yeah, geez, it didn't last long. It lasted bloody, what, two laps or something. Ridiculous. I, I don't know I what's going on. And Yeah, but what's confusing is how has it all happened to VB and nothing happened to Hamilton reliability-wise? Like, has he he's taken only a partial engine. He hasn't even taken a full unit, has he? I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure he has, he's taken. Yeah. It's, it's insane, though, how many that VB's had to have in comparison. And I don't know what it is. I think, throwing my tinfoil hat on. Here we go. That they're making VB take all these. I'm in, Campy. I'm in with you. (laughs) That they're making VB take all these, and they're just stealing the bits and putting them on Hamilton's car. And then just going, (laughs) VB, take another, take another vengeance penalty. Get us a new one in the pool. (laughs) The pool for both of us. Campy, Campy's in the background, just like etching out the serial numbers, just getting rid of them. Yeah, (laughs) just scratching off VIN numbers and just yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the trusty grinder does a hell of a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> They'll never know. All four of our listeners. Sorry, Parks Victoria, when I uh, always <laughs> cut down the uh, padlocks on Park Victoria when they locked the gates to my four drive tracks. And I don't like it. So, <laughs> why are you incriminating yourself? Yeah, whatever. Come at me, dog. <laughs> but no, very unlucky for VB. But he he pushed through and he ended up. On the front row. Yeah. So that's a good result. Yeah, and he wasn't going to be. Right. Uh, it was all thanks to Max's uh, error at the end that he was. I mean, that, was some, uh, that was some lap from Max, wasn't it? Oh. Yeah, we'll talk about that yeah, in, in a moment. Let's get well, – that's the end. Let's talk about uh, other things that happened. Carlos Sainz Happy wants dessert first. Yes, Carlos Sainz's <laughs> spin. <laughs> No, no good. Um, it has to be said, it's Charlotte Clerc. He ended up qualifying in fourth and he got it together all weekend. Carlos couldn't seem to really get it together. Yeah, um, yeah it, it the save was good, but of course, Tommy T, he touched his rear wing and just like it was just. Uh, and it seemed oh. to be, it didn't, wouldn't have mattered if he touched the whole rear of the car or that rear wing end plate because it was, it was it? the same result. He just couldn't yeah. then drive the car. It seemed like that rear end stability was gone once that had been done because they obviously it takes a bit longer than the five minutes they had to change a rear wing. So mm. they kind of had to bodge together what they could, strap some tires on it and send him back out and see what he could do. And it, in the same complex, he just could not get that rear end to settle down and he just – same situation. Yeah. Unfortunate for him because he looked quick. Yeah. Yep. He was looking quick. Yeah, um, yeah, he's come alive in the second half of the season, and we've been talking about it regularly. But that is a very exciting battle between those two drivers at Ferrari, and yeah. excited for next year. So yeah, I think I said it, before, uh, Sainz put it in the wall in practice. It was, it was Leclerc. It was Leclerc. In, yeah. So 
That's okay. I didn't want to correct you, but that's fine. Oh, Charles, good correction, no. Campy. But Charles, self-correction. No. Yeah. Yes, well done. We look how far we're coming. Charles, though, no, going from putting it in the barrier and shaking himself up to qualifying fourth yep. is yep. mega. Uh, in yeah. terms of, yes, we've said their performance for the rest of this year. This is a good thing. But what this does, though, is that it's a joker driver really in the middle of the championship fight because you've got Mercedes-Mercedes, yep. Mercedes, um, Red Bull, and then a Ferrari in amongst the Red Bulls there too. And obviously the Constructors' yeah. Championship for the teams is incredibly important. Uh, and Perez needs to really be that rear gunner for Max to try and get anything sorted out from a strategy call, Campy, for the race. But Charles, as we know, he can bloody defend. He can defend. Is he going to... What's he going to do? Is he going to race for himself or is he going to help someone out? I mean, this, this is where relationships off tracks can actually help you. And I think Max probably has the field in him where they don't want Lewis to win again. So <laughs> could, uh, could could another driver throw throw some, uh, I don't know what the right word is there. But Have you still got your tinfoil hat on? Well, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. Send we'll see the word then. No, he's good. He's good. He, uh, he had a he had a. Great qualifying results wise for him. I think uh, that's ultimately where Danny Rick should have been and hoping to be. Yep. Uh, in comparison to times, especially Danny Rick's Q1 time. Um, but we'll get to that. So, look, good result for Ferrari, and you can't hurt it. I mean, but they have struggled at times this weekend. Just think they've got a lack of uh, lack of rear end stability in that car, and I think this is what this this track will uh, mm. will, will show you deficiencies in that area. Yeah, I mean, he starts in uh, 15th, which is oh, – look, he's in previous races with Portugal or Turkey where he was the only one doing overtakes that managed to get up the field. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's the kind of driver that can do that, as we said, with F2 showing us where the overtake, likely overtaking areas are. That will be good for them. Uh, but, yeah, good for, for Charles. You mentioned DR. He had a cracking Q1. Um, at some point, at somewhere in the track, he's gone over a curb, damaged the floor of the car, and his words were, we're dragging the floor of the car around the circuit, which was costing him tense and tense and tense. He seemed very, very disappointed. But from McLaren's point of view, whilst Norris qualified in seventh, he qualified on the soft tyre, which is the suboptimal tyre. DR, though, gets absolutely free tyre choice. Campy, when it comes to strategy for McLaren for the race, uh, they're kind of screwed with Norris because he's going to be flailing, I would suggest, um, in amongst cars who are on the medium tyre around him. Yeah, I think you're right. I think whether they go medium or hard, McLaren put and Danny Rick specifically put a hell of a lot of work in on Friday. Um, around race uh, race pace and strategy. They didn't go for the one-lap things really until they looked at it until Q3, uh, until practice three, so I'm sorry. So um, they will have a lot of data around the hards and the mediums. Uh, that's where they set their fastest times on on, on Friday. So I think I think Danny Rick should go hard and hope for a, hope for a yellow sort of around 50 to 60% race completion so he gets a free pit stop and uh, jumps a hell of a lot of people. I think the McLaren's going to have some pace a bit like Monza where they can Mm. uh, sit in front of everyone and there'll be a hard car to overtake. Uh, Hopefully Norris plays the game a bit. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be exciting, I think. I think this is a race we can get excited about for Danny Rick. He will score points this weekend. Unlike the dumb stat that I saw from F1 this week and said uh, Lando Norris has scored 
the only four points from the last three races for McLaren. I was just like, what sort of stat is that? We know what sort of, <laughs> you know, where your foot's been happening in the F1 and trying to shaft Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, so. you're doing so well. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. Oh, yeah, that was so, a good one at least. Yeah, it was 35 good. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you hit Anyway, look, I'm excited. I'm excited for tonight. Danny Rick will go all right. He's uh, he'll get her right. He'll have a stroll weekend this weekend from uh, a couple of years ago, where stroll gets the stra- a one in twenty. No, stroll gets the strategy. Stroll gets the strategy right and gets like a podium. And, uh, oh. Danny Rick will get it on merit because he's a superstar. Hang on a Hang on, hang on, hang on, Campy, hang on. Come over here for a sec. Come over here for a sec. I'm not comparing Daniel Ricciardo to Stroll. Sorry, everyone. Just Just give us a sec. Sounded like you were. Campy, did you just put Daniel Ricciardo and Lance Stroll in the same sentence? I did. I'm sorry. Are you okay? You did do that. I didn't mean it like that. I meant that. Okay, we'll go back to everyone now and just tell them you didn't mean it like that. Sorry, listener. What were you saying, Campy? Danny Rick is a superstar and he will get a podium tonight. Just you wait and see. It's a Danny Rick going. It's a Danny Rick going to weekend. Uh, and he's had pace. He's he spanked. He made he's made Lando look dud this weekend, in my opinion, with his pace outright. So, bit of a shame things happen to your floor, but uh, this is motorsport. And, uh, oh, hey, we need to build this rivalry up. We need to Lando to get booed like uh, Sebastian Vettel did in twenty fourteen qualifying when he didn't make Q one. So, we need yeah, to build this you, rivalry Thomas, up. Thomas Netflix camp. <laughs> Being a producer, up. I'd watch. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, let's talk about Alfa Romeo, though, because Giovinazzi uh, out-qualified DR, and that was the reason is because he didn't have any damage. But at one point or another in Q3, he collected the wall uh, very shortly after uh, Kimi Raikkonen had collected VB, trying to get past him to go back to the pits. It was fin on fin. Uh, and on the car, I mean, on the car that VB is going to. So it was a bit of a like, yeah. oh, I think I collected an Alfa Romeo, not like, what the was that guy doing? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I'm going there yeah. next year, so I probably should be a bit kind. Whoops. Tommy T, yeah, how did you see it? Weird, wasn't it? Mm. It was weird. It kind of just didn't expect someone to be on a hot lap, I think, and this is, comes back to that communication from the teams as well because mm. you don't know what's coming. It is such a blind circuit like that. But, yeah, just all of a sudden in the wrong spot and, yeah, a car was coming along around the outside and wedged between the wall and contact was made. Yeah, glad that nothing else happened and it was just contact and they kind of seemed to be okay. There wasn't any real lasting damage, but it could have been very bad kind of a, a couple of seconds sooner or later and like different positions in a corner and that could have been very, very bad. So mm. thankful it wasn't that, but yeah, I think that's unfortunately one of the things about this track that we're going to see. Um, rear its head eventually, like Campy said. And Giovinazzi, though, in 10th is is good for him. Uh, Campy, he uh, is going to Formula E next year and they had testing at Valencia uh, and he figured out that Formula E has no downforce and F1 does have downforce and he went into a corner and was like, oh, <laughs> hang on, <laughs> where's the grip? Uh, yeah. So hopefully at some point Formula E figure that out. But uh, for, for him, though, last two races of the year, we've got to be happy in that top 10 qualifying position. Yeah, it's a shame that he's moving on. I think uh, he was really hanging out for new regs and he's one of these drivers that have missed out. I would prefer mm. that with the pushback of regs that every driver got a shot, but hey, I get the sport's got some realities to it. So uh, he'd be happy. 
Uh, he'd be absolutely gutted that he's going to Formula E because, I mean, all forms of electric motorsport suck at the moment. They will get they will get better, <laughs> probably. What a sweeping statement. Well, uh, you know, Love James it. works at Formula E, so he can't tell no, you what he really thinks. So <laughs> no, I, I can tell you what I actually think about I electric motorsport. <laughs> it will get better. No, oh, extreme E, whatever. No, look, the category will get better. And I think uh, I did listen to your podcast with the uh, – I know the other day, Jim. It was very good. It was worth a listen, listeners. Uh, what an amazing guy. Was, uh, Alejandro Agag, uh, yes. Yeah, what an amazing You're guy. Talking great, both sides of your mouth. Great stories. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, Come and bow at the temple with me. <laughs> Electric motorsport with Alejandro Agag. Well, it's uh, – yeah. anyway. Yeah. So, it's, look, a shame. I mean, it's, it's a shame for Italian Jesus. It Good is, but at least, but at least now, to, to put some kind of defensive Formula E, it's classified as a world championship. So you can win a world championship in the same way that it's F1. I know it's not as good, but at least it's, it's kind something. of going in a direction that is a natural progression for Formula One drivers and F2 drivers. Dan Tickton, of course, going as well, more so than the indie path that has been previous. So, look, I mean, Gen yeah. 3 is coming for Formula E. Hopefully that, you know, gets better. And I wish Italian Jesus all the best with that. But yeah, as I said, good for him to be that. starting in 10th. Kimi Raikkonen a couple of races ago starting in 12th. My favourite... Uh, any kind of interview that's happened so far this weekend was the pre-race uh, Tom Clarkson um, sitting down with with the uh, with the drivers, of course, and Kimmy, and he said, you know, well, Kimmy, I know you're not a big fan of the track walk, but uh, it's, a, it's a long circuit and you've never been here before. And he goes, yeah, even more of a reason why I'm not going to be walking the track. Elite <laughs> <laughs> Kimmy. <laughs> I look like I care. Good a lot. Uh, it was great. Uh, let's talk, Just though, about Max because I'm pretty sure – this is the best qualifying lap I think I've ever seen uh, in Formula One just in terms of the limits that he pushed yeah. uh, and especially, as I said, in that sort of first couple of corners where he kicked up that dust and it just looked like he collected the wall. Campy, let's start with you first uh, and your thoughts because he's leading the championship at the moment. Uh, he, he has it all to win. This is the race. This is the, the first time in his career that he can win a World Drivers' Championship in this race, it's depending on what happens, of course, with Lewis Hamilton. Yep. Um, but he was absolutely on it, finding every tenth he possibly could until the last corner. Uh, and he, uh, he just locked that front left up and he could got a bit frustrated and, and stayed on the power and unfortunately got a bit put greedy. it into the wall. Got a bit greedy. Look, uh, uh, this is why we watch this sport, right, for single, you know, pushing limits. It reminded me a bit of a Monaco. DR when he put it on pole in uh, 2016 or whatever it was. Uh, look, absolutely on the limits. The commentary was brilliant. Poetry in motion, it's, it's man at one with machine and that's why uh, this sport is absolutely phenomenal when these things happen. Um, interesting, I think, for Red Bull this weekend, I think they know this track's going to be quite hard to pass on. And if you look at Max on Friday and his P1 and P2 sessions, he actually sacrificed a lot of his uh, uh, his uh, high fuel load long runs to concentrate on his one lap pace because I think they see the benefit in, uh, in getting it on pole now for Max. I mean, he was clearly, I mean, he's two and a half tenths up with a, with a sector to go. He wasn't going to lose that time. He would have had it on pole and it would have put him right in the uh, right where he wanted to be for this race and for his championship moving forward. Unfortunately, these are the sorts of things that are going to decide, decide this championship, you know, millimetres decisions, um, you know, brake lockups and stuff like that. And uh, the way Lewis is driving at the moment, it's going to be, I mean, 
Uh, Lewis could be leading the championship tomorrow after we leave this race, and then it's who beats who next weekend. So, I mean, for Max, he has to finish a minimum of P2. Do I think he can get it off the start? Probably not. I think Lewis is too composed and on a tear at the moment, but, geez, Max is driving well, isn't he? He is, and He's, he has is, to throw everything at it in order to he, get it done. Absolutely, he bloody he bloody does, and he bloody is driving at the absolute limit. Tommy T, of course, we don't know yet, but uh, potential issue with what he's done is gearbox damage. Now yeah, that will mean right. a five right. place grid penalty if that was to occur. Uh, geez, I hope it doesn't come to that. Like uh, it's it's enough of what it was, you know, breaking suspension and or everything else. Uh, you could yeah. tell who the emotions on the pit wall and even um, oh, Jos Verstappen yeah. in the background going Toto. Oh, Toto Wolf. Yeah, <laughs> you'll smash. <laughs> it was. It's good to watch because this is. I mean, this is a once in a decade kind of championship fight. I think we've said. Yeah. You know, in the last couple of episodes and. You know, we want these guys to be pushing it to the limit. It looked like Lewis was not pushing to the limit as much as Max was because he'd rather just see the car okay through to second or third position, whereas Max is like, nah, all or nothing. Yeah, we haven't seen this like all or nothing Max in a long time in qualifying, have we? Mm. Um, I think it was back to that what Monaco. I don't think it was even qualifying, wasn't it? Wasn't it practice three or something? But he rode his car off enough to kind of rule himself out. Yeah. And so, Campy, of course, when it comes down to experience, Lewis has been here before, of course. He is well and truly versed in winning title championships. This is Max's first attempt. Of course, it there's plenty more to come for Max, isn't there? This is yeah. the trajectory that he's on. But in terms of how this emotionally affects a driver, how do you think it plays out for Max? We know he's a professional, but it's got to be in his mind somewhere that you know he's made that error. Look, we know Max drives with a certain level of uh, uh, composure, right? And he doesn't seem to be flustered too much. If you go back to the 2016 season that that Tommy was alluding to when he made some mistakes, it was he made sort of seven mistakes in seven races. And he came out after that and said, I didn't change my driving style. I know what I'm capable of. And it just so happened that things happened back then. I didn't need to change and adapt. So we know he drives with this confidence in himself. But when a world championship is on the line, and this could be the race where he could secure it if things go his way, um, the pressure is on. I don't think Mm. he was feeling pressure at all about having a crash last night. I think when you're absolutely on the limit, those are the things that happen. Will he be thinking about it afterwards? Probably. Next week, he'll probably go into his head, geez, I, you know, three races ago, I had a 20-point lead and it's mine to lose. And Lewis is possibly could win four in a row. So, I mean, that'll start to play on him next weekend, I think, if uh, he has to beat Lewis. But um, it will be interesting to see. It will be playing on him and he will. It'll be the first time in a very, very long time where he'll be feeling some internal pressure, mm. you know, put on himself because it's a World Drivers' Championship. Lewis, how many times has he done it? He's been in the yeah. position where he's lost him in his first year really close uh, and, he, you know, he's he's lost one to Nico as well that he probably should have won in hindsight in his view, but he's won seven going for his eight. So he's been yeah. here before. He knows how to deal with it and look at how he's driving at the moment. He's doing absolutely everything right to get the results he needs. So, Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, I, I mean, as you say, like in terms of Lewis's experience, let's not forget that 10 minutes before – 
qualifying started, he was in the stewards' room talking to yeah. them rather than prepping for you know qualifying. And yeah, his first lap was pretty rubbish, but then he got it together. So yeah. certainly uh, a lot of experience there. But Jesus, blood, this is what we want. This is all the way to the end. And little things like this really, you know, as Tommy T would say, throw some jeopardy in it. And uh, yeah. we have lost Tommy T, by the way. He will be back for the race review tomorrow. tomorrow. Uh, the race starting grid, here we go. It's Hamilton in first, Bottas second, Verstappen third, Leclerc fourth, uh, Perez fifth, Gasly sixth. Now, Alpha Tauri, uh, bloody, he's very good at being here. I know he's in the bin, but uh, Sonoda in eighth. This is a, another good outing for Alpha Tauri. Both of them on the medium stripe tyre with yeah. Norris in seventh on the soft tyre. Now, Pierre Gasly, I think, is uh, one of those drivers that is also able to to keep people behind him, but also sort of disappears into no man's land a bit campy and yeah. hangs out there for most of the race. Do you th- yep. I mean, is Lando really going to have any chance of, of challenging him? Uh, is Lando going to challenge him? Absolutely, Lando will challenge him. Lando should jump both Alpha Tauri's. No, no, he's got Yuki behind him. So Behind him, yep. Hey, but hey, good for Yuki. This is what, the fourth race in a row he's been in the top ten, so good results. He's tracking in the right direction. Um, Gasly's doing well, um, but I think Yuki at one stage was like P2 in qualifying after the first runs in Q1. So, hey, he's driving with a level of, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, the the difference between his best and his worst is a big gap, unlike Pierre, yes. where, yep. you know, consistency and the difference between his best and his worst is a lot smaller. So that's where those two are at the moment. But, hey, good for Yuki. If he can, mm. uh, if they've got some race base here, which it could be an interesting track. could be a bit like Monza where we don't see a lot of passing. Um and I think they are where the characteristics sit. So a bit of strategy will come into play depending on what happens off the start, those sorts of things. But, hey, all credit to Alpha Tauri. They are genuinely yeah. assist. You know, the last four races, I'm seriously considering them a sister team. Yep. Not so much a, you know, a junior team anymore. They are performing well above where they where we expected them to be. And uh, yep. hopefully they can transfer that to next year too. Yeah, absolutely right. I completely agree, and it's good to see uh, Ocon in ninth, Giovinazzi in tenth, eleventh, Dr. Twelfth, Raikkonen, thirteenth, Alonso. Now for for Alpine, a great outing last time in Qatar, and third and fifth for them. But so far, back down the pack this time around. I mean, they're obviously not going to be totally stoked with it. Obviously, faster than Aston Martin. But when it comes to the championship fight. Um, for that uh, that position, the, them and AlphaTauri are the sort of going head to head all year this year. With this yeah. is kind of if if Sonoda and Gasly can get some results, then potentially they uh, they can claw that back. Yeah, I don't. I think I think Alpine have enough of a gap now to cement that. What is it, sixth place in the championship? So they'll be right. Uh, they look good Friday, Alpine. They looked really quick, and uh, I think Fernando is up and about again. But for them to qualify the way they did, not ideal. I think they had a bit of a uh, after qualifying. I think they had a bit of a Aston Martin type of weekend. Mm. They expected a hell of a lot more than what they actually got. So yeah, a bit of a shame for Alonso. I'm not. Couldn't care less about Ocon, but um, that's where it is. I'm with you. Uh, George Russell, 14th. uh, Carlos Sainz, 15th. Nicola Tepe, 16th. Seb, 
uh, and Stroll in 17th and 18th, then Mick Schumacher out-qualifying Mazepin again in 19th to 20th. Well, that's the grid. How far, off, was, how far off the pace was Mazepin? Well, it was a couple of seconds behind uh, when, when it came to, to the end. Uh, but I, in terms of distance between him and his teammate, I don't know. I think it was maybe half a second uh, oh, really? from memory. Okay. Was it, I'm not sure it was as – it was terrible compared to the front. Yeah, yeah. But, but the has we don't expect to be doing better. needs to be better than that. And we're, we're – with a whole season in F1, you can't be that bad. <laughs> be interesting no, to see it how was, it plays out. It was a whole second. It was a whole second. A whole okay. second. Well, there you go. So, that's not good. That's no good at all. That's no good. Not for an, not when you've had 22, 21 qualifiers in that car now and you should be doing better, 22. So. Yeah, you get the same, you know, exactly the same amount of races as your teammate in an yep. F1 car. So, yep. yeah, well, but we, you know, Schumacher just clearly the better driver at this point. Yes, uh, absolutely. We'll see what happens later on, of course. Uh, but let's see what we're going to watch for in the race, Campy. Of course, this gearbox issue, as I said, there's a potential issue for Max if they decide to change it to be safer rather than sorry. Uh, there'll be a five-place grid penalty for him, which will send him tumbling down the order behind some cars, which will be very difficult for him to get past. Not impossible for Max Verstappen, just difficult. Um, and with this being, as I said earlier, the first race that he can ever win in his entire F1 career, a World Drivers' Championship, I mean, it's all to play for for him. What does he do from the start? He needs to jump Valtteri Bottas very quickly, doesn't he? He does. Uh, I don't think he'll have an issue with his gearbox. I think that touch was pretty – I mean, it was there and it made a difference for his qualifying lap, but I don't think that wasn't wasn't anywhere near gearbox territory, in my opinion, the way they're built these days. So he'll be fine for that. For the race, he needs to start. He needs to get into at least P2. But, you know, we have seen him make bad starts at times, and if he gets swallowed up, this isn't going to be a track like the Red Bull ring where he can come back through. Uh, they have strapped a bit more downforce onto the car, so that'll help into uh, braking, into, the, into you know, big braking after a long straight. So, yeah, I'd, I'd expect him to hold his position because I think Bottas is on a bit of a tear as well. So mm. I, think, I think the top three will be Hamilton, Bottas, uh, Verstappen off the start, and it'll probably stay there and if Bottas can hold him up and protect Hamilton I think that's what will probably happen in my opinion. It's a big weekend for the second drivers. Uh, VB yeah. and Perez need to understand the assignment of they're doing everything to get as many points as they can and to keep that other team behind them. VB though in a much better position than Sergio to do that uh, when it comes to this sort of second drivers' championship, I suppose, in your mind, Valtteri is he is he better than Sergio? Performed better than Sergio? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been some horrible races for the two of them, but VB has been better than Perez throughout the year, and that's why I'm saying he'll win the uh, win the draw uh, the constructors' championship because he's consistently there or thereabouts. I mean. You know, I want Perez starting in eighth, ninth, where he has previously. I mean, he's starting in fifth tonight, so he's got to do some work off the line to get where he needs to be. But they really need to be splitting those Mercedes to have yep. any sort of, you know, to have any to force Mercedes' hand to pit early or pit late, getting undercut, those sort of things. So, yep, absolutely right. All right, well. 
That's all to come, of course. Uh, yes. You can, uh, you can join along if you want to get up at 4.30 in the morning uh, along with us uh, here on the eastern coast of Australia to watch the race. The three of us will be up. We'll be recording an episode right after the race, which means uh, for your morning, hopefully, commute, you will be able to listen to our race review. But it's been great to have you here. Probably have Thank a chat so about much. Bathurst too. That's all today. Well, we're going to settle into a bit of Bathurst watching. It's the only V8 supercar race I'll watch all year, and I'll just it's, <laughs> I'll join the rest of the country that goes, oh, is there V8 supercars this year? Okay, we'll just watch that one race and not care about anything else. Uh, but it's going to be good. Uh, in terms of what you can do to help support this podcast, well, the, the simple thing is to listen, tell some friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening, and if you are on Apple Podcasts, we really appreciate ratings and reviews. We've got some reviews to read out tomorrow morning as well. Campy, a massive thank you to you, Tommy T. You've disappeared into the ether, but a massive thank you to you. We will chat tomorrow morning. We will. After the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Yes, please no. <laughs> that princess that princess no. will be like, can you go do it with dry cleaning? I'll be like, mate. Dry clean your own shit. <laughs> How often do you think I dry clean stuff? Oh. <laughs> Just me and Tommy sabotaging you. <laughs> what a nightmare. Thing is, yeah. Thing is, I wouldn't invite you along. You'd just appear somehow. Yeah. You just know where Extreme is. Like, go and work for some random catering company, get the contract, and then appear. I'd be like, not again. Sports Social Podcast Network.